It is Friday, December 15th, and we are underway this hour on Flames Talk with Wes of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. We are downtown on this Friday. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lots to get to on this Friday. Hello, Wes. Hello, Patrick. Lots to get to. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable this hour. Um, Some interesting things coming from Thursday's shootout loss in Minnesota. And we will start with uh, another goaltending conversation as we go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. Well, Definitely a nice outing from Dan Vladar, despite the loss in Minnesota. I thought that was another quality start from Calgary's backup goaltender. I thought that Dan Vladar played really well. And and I actually have liked his overall body of work for the last three or four starts. If I look at the two games he played against Minnesota, the, the one he got pulled in, but not necessarily because he was playing poorly. Um, And then the second game against Minnesota on Thursday night, the Vegas win, and even the six-goal outing where Colorado came from behind and won 6-5. I thought Vladar was fine, and he didn't come away from that game saying, geez, better goaltending, and they would have won that game. Right. So I, I don't know. Last few weeks, you can make the argument that Vladar has done a nice job of maybe boosting his overall value around the league and maybe boosting the overall feel about the way he's perceived in this league did not get off to a good start to the season but I think uh I think he's played well of late and I think he's I think he's definitely gotten his season a little bit more on track over the last few weeks you know you and I on Thursday's Flames Talk had an awesome conversation with Kelly Rudy and as we were wrapping up that conversation which sort of touched on Dustin Wolf a lot, chatted about Kelly's own history, talked about Jacob Markstrom, talked about Roberto Luongo. We're ending the call, and, and Kelly says, hey, don't you guys want to ask me about Dan Vladar? He's yeah. starting tonight in Minnesota. And and Kelly characterized this as a statement game for Dan Vladar. And, and quite frankly, as I was watching last night, that was sort of the biggest thing in the back of my mind. I don't know if Dan was listening to Flames Talk or if he waits for non-game days to download the podcast and listen then, but it sure I think looked, it is both. Yeah, maybe doubles up. Yeah, It sure looked like a guy who was trying to make a statement. And then even what we heard from him in his post-game conversation with reporters in Minnesota sort of led you to believe that he sees Dustin Wolf in his rearview mirror. He he knows the conversations that are happening on this program and more so throughout this city and quite frankly, throughout the hockey world. Yeah. Right. There's been a lot of eyes going back to the summer. And I had a conversation in training camp with Dan about it. There's been a lot of eyes on this goaltending situation and Dan feels it. And I think last night was a sign that it, it is bringing the best out of him, that he is rising to the challenge. I know he hates what his save percentage looks like right now. I know he's not satisfied with the fact that he has one victory in his last five starts. But Dan Vladar was really solid yep. for that Flames team last night in Minnesota. Uh, by the way, with uh, he made 31 on 33. His uh, save percentage did go up. He's uh, now sitting at an 879, so he did get a little bit of a boost. Uh, not th- there's not a goalie on the roster right now with a save percentage above 900, so that's something that the Flames would like to change, even though I do think the overall position has been better this year than it was last year. It's still, as a roster, sub-900, which you don't want it to be. You know, it's interesting because 
the way the way I see it, the more that Dan Vladar plays well, the better. The more Dustin Wolf plays well, the better. Um, I, I don't think there's any downside to having both guys impressing you at the NHL level and having both guys raise their game as this whole conversation is playing out. Because you're right, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Vladar knows he's under pressure, and I think he knows that that not not only does he see Dustin Wolf, I think he also understands that because of that. His his tenure in Calgary may not be beyond this season or beyond this trade deadline. I don't think that he has any illusions of the way this could end up going. By no means is it a guarantee, and there's lots of things that could still play out here. But I think that he also realizes that, okay, if he sees the younger goaltender who's playing well and... If they do decide to prioritize him, it might mean a trade is coming. I don't think I don't think Dan would be surprised if a trade happened between now and the trade deadline. Here's the comments you were talking about from post game in Minnesota after uh, he played well, gave the Flames more than an opportunity to win against the Wild to wrap up that road trip. The last couple of weeks weren't great from my side, so you know I was just trying to back, get back on track as, as soon as I uh, as soon as I could, and uh, you know I was just doing all, all the best. We're working hard um, on the ice, off the ice, and just doing everything so so uh, I can I, I can perform well. All right, so you know just the results are still not there. So I'm hoping you know. If I'm gonna get a more chances, I'm I'm just gonna you know keep it or get some W's. Interesting way that he puts it. If I get more chances, I need to start putting up W's. Kind of feels like he realizes that there's there's nothing written in stone here, and and it sure does feel like Dan Vladar is as aware as everybody else is that this goaltending situation feels like it could be in transition. And so going out and playing the way he did against Minnesota or in that spot start against Vegas a couple of weeks ago, I, I think he, he realizes he's under pressure. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the one thing I've always appreciated so much about conversations with Dan Vladar is going back to when he was first traded to Calgary and we first chatted with him. This guy goes out of his way to talk about how grateful he is to be playing in the NHL, how appreciative he is of the opportunity to be a goaltender at the highest level in his sport. And it's not bluster. Like, there's a real sincerity to it. There's a real, this is not a guy who takes for granted his perch in the National Hockey League. And I think that is now bringing some pressure too, because Dan Vladar can see the writing on the wall, I'm sure, in Calgary. Unless Jacob Markstrom is moved out, the future of Dustin Wolf and the fact that Dustin Wolf, as soon as next season requires waivers, means the clock is ticking on this goaltending decision. Yep. And, you know, the best guess and, and the most talked about guess is that Dan Vladar is going to be the odd man out. Well, guess how many goaltending spots there are in the National Hockey League? Not very many, right? 64. And Dan Vladar knows that an eight seven nine goaltender, a guy who is currently, I'm just looking now, 72nd in the league in save percentage this season. And, and this isn't me trying to sewer Dan by any stretch, but Dan Vladar knows that there might not be a spot for a guy with those kind of numbers. And I think a player who is so grateful to be in the NHL, who this opportunity means so much to, I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to say, Hey, even if it's not in Calgary, I got to show what I can do. This I I need to showcase myself for whoever my employer is going to be. And I know Dan wears the losses. Like if you go in the Calgary Flames locker room after a loss, no matter how many saves Dan Vladar's made, you can hardly hear him talk, yep. right? It, it's like a whisper. And that's because of the frustration and, and the way he personally takes those defeats and you know, to hear him last night say, I, I hope I get another opportunity was kind of like, oh, wow, did he, you know, I, I heard it and then I replayed it and replayed. Did he really just say what I think he said? But it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what Dan Vladar knows each start means to him and his future. Yep. I'm really, I'm really interested to see how the Flames handle this three goaltending situation, three goaltender situation while it continues to exist, because it's going to continue to exist for the time being. Um, and we'll see if Jacob Markstrom's back in Saturday or Monday. The The way it's currently scheduled, Flames morning skate on Saturday, play Saturday night, 
then practice Sunday, morning skate Monday, play Monday night. That's the the schedule for the next three days. So we'll see when Jacob rejoins the group. And um, but it, I think there's a decent chance anyway. There's one more start open before Jacob is back and and you know on the roster and and ready to resume his role as number one. But I think this three goaltender situation is going to persist for the next little while. I don't think that we're talking about an immediate resolution to it. So I'm curious to see how they handle it over the next number of weeks or months until a move is made. And then I am really interested to see what their decision is and what their tact is in trying to solve the three goaltender problem. It's not a, and, and it's not a bad problem to have, like, especially if Vladar can continue to approach things the way you just talked about, you know, statement games and whenever he's in there he's got to be auditioning whether it's to stay with the flames or to attract another team you need that mindset to continue from him and you need Dustin Wolf to continue to look like the best goaltender in the American League when he's playing there and to look like an NHL goaltender when he gets his opportunities with the flames and so you it's not an awful problem to have if you've got guys that are answering the bell and playing well and it gives you the opportunity to maybe have an option or two in terms of how you want to solve the quote-unquote problem. But I'm fascinated to see how the next number of weeks, months play out in this situation. Yeah, me too. And there's no timeline for it, but you need it addressed before it becomes a problem, right? Like yep. you, you need to make sure that it doesn't become a, a source of frustration for Dustin Wolf, that it doesn't become a... Dan Vladar feels like he's totally flapping in the wind like this. I, I think the Calgary Flames have done and in conversations with the various goalies, it, it sure sounds like, you know, communication has been really strong. I think the Flames have managed this as well as they possibly can. But at some point, three guys for two spots, the you just the math doesn't work. And so I, too, am going to be really curious. I, I said yesterday on, on the program, and I don't think it's overstating it. Last night was really important from my vantage point for the Calgary Flames goaltending conversation because if Dan Vladar had a stinker of a game, I wonder if we're not talking about Dustin Wolf as your second string. If Dan Vladar didn't get the start and Dustin Wolf had a, a really strong game in Minnesota, I wonder if we're not talking about a change on the depth chart. And so by going in, you know, earning the starting nod from the team, but then Delivering a strong game, that's a terrific save, for example, on Ryan Hartman with about a minute 45 yeah, left. a that, very tricky stop. Yeah, that close-range rebound, and that obviously not even getting to the Scorpion save in the shootout. Like, Dan Vladar put forth a really good product last night, and that is going to help him maintain that second-string job. I just don't know for how long. Is there any way that they do think about going three goalies on the roster. Is there any way that Wolf stays up and they, they try to, I don't think they should. I don't think they will, but I just wonder like for that reason, is there any way that they do think about doing that or they leave a roster spot open? If they send Dustin Wolf back, do they, leave a roster spot open in another way. Maybe they send him and Nick D. I know Nick D. Simone needs waivers now, but maybe it's Nick D. Simone when, when Chris Tanev, who I don't think is going to be that much longer either. Right. Um, I, th I think Chris has got an opportunity to play here on this homestand. Um, so, and we'll see, but if Tanev returns and all of a sudden Markstrom's healthy, do you send D. Simone back and do you send Wolf back, but do you keep a spot open so that, okay, on the NHL roster, you've got Markstrom and, and Vladar, but you're like, eh, we got a big start here, and we're not feeling so confident. Maybe Vladar's game dips. Yeah, you call Wolf in, and and he gets the start on a night. I, I just, I'm curious. I'm curious the way that they handle this until a deal can be made. You know, I don't think there's any good reason to go with three when both teams are in the city. Excuse me, uh, unless there's maybe some pressure from Dustin Wolf's camp to do exactly that. I believe in all my conversations with Dustin Wolf, I, I think he would rather be starting games in the American league than not playing period yeah. in the AHL. But if for some reason you actually think it would benefit Dustin to be 
in a third goalie scenario, I suppose go for it. I just don't, you'd have trouble convincing me that that would be better for him. And this is coming from a guy who doesn't think he needs to go back to the AHL. I understand he is going back to the AHL, but this is coming from a guy who thinks Dustin Wolf should be a full-time NHLer at this point. As the third, it just doesn't make sense. You and I covered that circus, right? Yoni Ordeo, Jonas Hiller, Kari Ramo. It was a story every single day. What What's going on with the goalies? Who's starting? Who's backing up? Yep. I just don't, I, I, I think it, it creates a bigger mess than what you're trying to fix. Uh, just a uh, few texts at 960-960. Um, this says, if I'm Ken Holland, I'm trying real hard to get Vladar and Ruzichka. Uh, that's from Mick. This says, I'm sure all the goalies have great personalities. Now, if only they could throw in a win here or there. Uh, this says, I would be entirely comfortable if Jacob Markstrom was moved out for a pick and a prospect, which leaves Wolf and Vladar as a very capable tandem. Commit to Wolf and his development with a great young guy who can take a lot of starts if Vladar, uh, in Vladar if needed. This says, below 900 save percentage for any goalie means they have not earned a start. Um... And this says, I think the big argument is always what's best for his development, playing American League games or practicing with NHL shots. Yeah, the other thing that a lot of people talk about is having three goaltenders just messes up everybody's practices too because now you've got one goaltender or, or one net rotating with two guys and it's just, it, it messes up everything. Players hate it. Like the skaters hate it. The goalies hate it. I don't think going three goaltenders is the way to go. I just... I wonder if that is something that has been discussed as well. I just, behind closed doors, I feel like a lot of different things have been thrown out. And even as we go forward here, I bet you there's been talk about, do we, if, if you're behind closed doors, if you're in that Flames management coaching staff conversations, I'm, I'm sure there's been, do we give Vladar a bunch of starts here to try to really, you know, kind of showcase him if he plays well, maybe that means a, a team that we've talked about becomes even more interested or, to your point, do, is Dustin already ready to be number two on the depth chart? And are we comfortable putting Vladar on waivers in the American League? I bet that has been discussed. Um, and all of the trade options as well. You know, are we willing to take a little bit less to open this spot? Are we willing to have a conversation about Jacob Markstrom and a conversation with Jacob Markstrom about his future here? I think all of these things have been discussed at least passingly behind closed doors by the Flames. I don't know how they couldn't be yeah. with the situation they're in right now. Well, and the the information that's available behind closed doors to the Flames that we don't know is the health issue as well. And let's not forget, before Jacob Markstrom fractured a finger, he'd had more than a couple of practices that he didn't participate in. He did miss a couple of games. Like, he... Something... That was on that road trip, right? Something's been bugging him. And so... And I'm not talking about the the flu that led to the e-bug night, but Jacob Markstrom has been battling some sort of injury. And, and that's another piece of information that goes in the puzzle, yep. right? But you're right. They, they've had all these conversations and we're not like, all due respect to you and I, Pat, we're not the smartest guys in the city. We're not the first people to think of the goaltending. We're not even the two conundrum. smartest guys in the room. Well, it depends what you consider the room. I mean, there's just two of us in the room, but neither of us are the smartest guy in the room. No, no, this podium's empty. <laughs> yeah. But like, no, no, we don't we don't give away participation medals here, boys. Like they know at the saddle dome that this is an issue. Yeah. And and they know that it has to be addressed, but the clock really is ticking. Yep. Like you can only let this go so much further. And a credit to the I suppose the puzzle pieces. Right? Dustin Wolf's looked like an NHLer. Well, that makes it more complicated. Yep. Dan Vladar had a great start last night in Minnesota. Guess what? That makes it more complicated. Jacob Markstrom's about to come back from a fractured finger. Yep. Guess what? Just got more complicated. It's not an easy decision, but you can only kick it so much further down the field. Yep. Agreed. That's our look inside hockey on this Friday for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. More goaltending conversation, specifically on the Markstrom front, coming up on the Daily Flames Roundtable this hour as well. A few other things to dive into after the Thursday shootout loss. I'm telling you, 
I've never seen anything like the text line on Thursday night prior to it. There was probably 200 texts somewhere in that range after the loss, the the shootout loss. And I want to say 100% of those texts mentioned Jonathan Huberdo. I, I, I read text after text, just in order, text after text after text after text, talking about Jonathan Huberdo with the puck on his stick in the shootout with an opportunity to win the game uh, as the third Calgary shooter on Thursday night. And universal, I, I do not remember universally the text line picking up on one thing and despising it so much. And I hadn't even really thought of it. So this was my thought process. You know, you're doing the game and you hear the, hear the PA announcer in Minnesota say, shooting now for the Calgary Flames, number 10, Jonathan Huberdo. And I just thought, okay, that Huberdo's using the shootout. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, as he was going in, in my head, I'm like, that'd be pretty big if he won it. Like, that'd be pretty big for his confidence. Obviously, he didn't. And then I thought to myself, yeah, it's kind of, you know, par for the course, the way things have been going for Jonathan of late. Um, even the way that he skated off, you kind of could tell he's like, ugh. Another, another, this is another one of those facial expressions from, from Jonathan where he's like, man, it's just not working. It's kind of what, what you read from that, at least what I read from it. Yeah. And then, you know, you're so into it that, okay, next up, uh, here comes, uh, here comes, was it Boldy? Matt Boldy yeah, Boldy yeah. with the perfectly placed shot up high and then Kadri doesn't win it or doesn't extend it. And then, you know, going, you're going into the post game show and then you get through the post game show with, with Mick and Derek. And that portion of it, we hear from Ryan Huska, and then I open the text line, and then I'm like, holy crap, everybody's talking about it. And I saw Francis had tweeted it. Francis was the first one that I saw tweet about it, Eric Francis. I was like, oh, yeah, Eric makes a good, Eric makes a good point. I'm like, that's, that's, I don't know if I would have gone with Huberdo in that spot either, um, but that I was still not expecting the text line to just be bang, 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 bang. Not saying that it shouldn't have been. I just wasn't ready for it. But as I kept on reading the text, and then every call mentioned it as well. No, it would not have been my choice either. That would not, from afar, and I am usually the last person to nitpick a shootout pick, but I was a little surprised. In, in hindsight, yeah, I'm a little surprised that's the way they went with the game on the line. Maybe not quite as surprised as the Nick Ritchie decision, but <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I don't, I don't know with the way Blake Coleman was playing that night or the way that Connor Zary has been playing of late, even though Zary's 0 for 2 in shootouts this year. I just, I, I guess that would probably not have been the guy that I would have thought of first to go as a potential to end the game. But when we were talking a little earlier, you kind of had a different feel or a different take to it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it. And simply because I saw it as a, I guess an investment opportunity and not the ones I always get via my hotmail account, but uh, an opportunity to show Stratton Oakmont (laughs) an opportunity to show some faith in a a guy who needs a boost of confidence, a a guy who your long-term future of your team is, is tied to, right? Like you've got this guy, Locked up. We don't have to remind it. Everyone listening knows the numbers. They know the term. Yep. Everyone knows what Jonathan Huberdeau's contract is. And I saw putting him out in the shootout as an opportunity to say, man, if he can get a goal here, it will do wonders for him. If he can find the back of the net here, it'll do wonders for him. And teammates would have mobbed for him. our team yep. as well. Yep. And so I, I don't, dislike the decision that Ryan Huska made. The other the other thing I'll point out is let's take a second and list off all the guys who've scored shootout goals for the Flames this season. Yegor Sharangovich. Yegor Sharangovich. That's it. He'd already shot. It's not international hockey. It was not an option to just, unfortunately, you can't do the old Jonathan Taves at the World Junior and or just TJ Oshie, yeah, at the TJ Oshie at the Olympics and just cy- keep cycling them through. You know, Nazem Kadri's O for this season. Elias Lindholm missed his first opportunity last night. Connor Zary's over. Yeah, you could make a case. Oh, they should have given this guy a shot or this guy a shot. I just knowing that Jonathan Huberto needs a pick me up. I didn't dislike the decision in that moment. I feel that, and and I think it's a fair point. I will say that if you texted that in on Thursday night, 
you would have been uh, in the vast, oh. vast minority. And I'm, I'm probably getting roasted on the text line no. right now. I don't have it open. I, I, I understand the frustration with it, right? Like, it, he's 0 for 4 in the shootout. He did not deserve to be rewarded after finally getting an assist, just not to the right team in the first period. Like, it's been going horribly yeah. for Jonathan Huberto. I'm not here to try to erase any of that. I just saw that as more of a, let's take a chance here. There's not necessarily a risk because you're not you're not losing that second if he doesn't score. The the worst case scenario is the shootout is extended. extended. Yep. And what if what if he scores? What what could it mean to him? It didn't work, but I don't hate where Ryan Huska was coming from. So a few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Get this, this says, Wes Gilbertson guy off the air. Not yet, anyway. Okay. Uh, this says huge error. They need wins, not one player's needs. Team needs. This says yes, but you shouldn't put him there because of him. It's beneficial to the t- if if is it beneficial to the team? No. This says how many opportunities are we willing to give number ten at the expense of the rest of the team? Um, this says completely wrong time to attempt to give Huberto a chance at confidence. He has none, so don't force it. And then finally, on the other side, so this guy is here for seven more years. Forget the contract. If we run this guy out of town, it's only going to hurt us. Uh, he's here for the long run. When they're going to be good again, he'll still be here. This city needs to rally around the guy till he figures it out, period. Only way to make this situation any better. That comes from the beef. So just a few different uh, differing opinions on the decision last night. I, I wholeheartedly understand both sides of this coin. Yeah. I, I just, as I was mulling it over, that's the reason that I didn't mind Ryan Huska making the movie did. And I, I don't think we were taught, like, there's not all these breakaway aces up and down the bench that are thinking, why not me? Yegor Sharangovich already had shot. He is 75% in shootouts this year. Man, is he the on a rest heater right now? The team is 0%. Uh, yeah, he's been ridiculous. And you know what? We heard all the right things from him last night, obviously. You know, he's a pretty soft-spoken and quiet guy, but you could even tell in, in his reaction and in his sort of look to the sky after a couple of those great opportunities he had to score a second goal yep. on the night. Like, he was hard on himself for not capitalizing on more opportunities. And when you're a guy who has five goals in a four-game span, the fact that you're still kicking yourself when yep. you graze the post on a, another great setup by Elias Lindholm, pretty good sign. Uh, just quickly, you wrote about Martin Pospisil on, uh, in, in Friday's post-media publications. For good reason, I absolutely loved seeing Martin Pospisil with a sheepish little bleep-eaten grin on his face and Nazem Kadri being that guy that I was like, yes, the more of that, the better. And we've seen a lot of that from Kadri tapping his stick on the ice, chirping away at Patrick Maroon. Um, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, and we're used to it with Kadri. We know that that is part of what runs through his veins and part of what makes him the NHLer that he is. And I loved it. He drew the penalty. I, I thought Kadri was great again. But the Pospisil stuff, that's something that I've been waiting for and we've slowly been seeing develop is kind of that the game within the game stuff from Martin Pospisil. Yeah, I see it as a sign he's getting a little more comfortable. I see it as a sign that he's coming out of the the sort of swoon that I think he was in for a couple weeks. His, his performance had certainly dipped. I mean, last night he he's mixing it up with Marcus Foligno and, and not backing down from it, right? Last night he pokes the puck off Patrick Maroon's stick and then barrels them into the boards. Like I was laughing as I was watching it. And that's something as my colleague, Danny Austin pointed out to me, that's something the flames have been missing is that guy who's willing to agitate, but actually has some skill to go along yeah. with it. And so uh fun kind of feature I wrote today. You can find it on the Calgary Herald and Calgary sun site. So caught up Jim Cummins was a, an NHL enforcer, 1500 penalty minutes in his career. And he's been scouting the past 13 seasons now for the flames. And, he was the guy, you know, the proverbial banging on the table scout. We need to take Martin Pospisil in the fourth round in 2018. Caught up with Jim. Some some funny stories about driving three hours to watch Martin play in Muskegon and him getting tossed from the game early and, and stuff like that. Just a really interesting look back on what was kind of a wild child as a junior and then how he's refined this and what it might mean for a guy who could sort of find a niche there in the NHL. Yep.
And by the way, I'm all for there's one more game between the Wild and the uh, the Flames. I'm all for a little. They, they've had some heated games yeah. of late. And uh, the Kadri Maroon rivalry dating back to the 2022 Stanley Cup final. Give me more of that, too. And, and the one thing I want to add on Pospisil is I, I'm impressed with the way he's walking the line. Like, we, he's a guy who I think realizes if he's taking a ton of penalties, isn't going to be in the NHL for a long. He's a guy who's realized after five concussions, he can't be fighting all the time. And so that was part of the look back at his junior days in the USHL is he, he just tried to fight everybody as a kid with a chip on his shoulder. And the way he's taken that edge and kept that in his game, but really refined it. Yeah. I think that's been a big development. Few people agreeing with you now on the Huber don't take as well. Ooh. I told you they. Always, so what? Always. So we're not going to read those ones? Well, no, we got we got to. I got to read this, and then we got to <laughs> hit, hit the round table. Okay. Uh, hey, Porsche Center Calgary has new inventory in stock. There's a great mix of all models, including Taycan, Cayenne, Macan, and even some sports cars. Porsche Center Calgary has unprecedented offers, like no luxury tax on 2023 Taycan models and 3.99 percent lease rates on 2023 and 2020. Models plus Macan S and GTS 2023 and 2024 models available with 6.99% lease rates for up to 42 months. Offers end December 31st. Visit PorscheCenterCalgary.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for the Daily Flames Ref Table, excuse me, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Round Table. Gents, you know, a lot of talk about goaltending all season. Earlier this hour, we talked about Dan Vladar's performance in Minnesota. Wes talked about it being potentially a statement game for Dan Vladar. There's a lot of talk about what is coming next for this team's goaltending and making a spot for Dustin Wolf. How are they going to do that? And the future of the overall goaltending position for the Flames. Well, there's also a lot of talk about the Flames potentially going younger and the Flames potentially pivoting direction and maybe taking a more broader look at the future as opposed to focusing everything on right now. And I just, I wanted to kick off the roundtable because we've been talking about goaltending so much this hour and this week. If that is the way this thing goes, and, and if the Flames do end up dealing away their unrestricted free agents, pending UFAs, and, and are bringing back picks and prospects and, and youth and, and we are talking about a, a different direction and a pivot is a conversation about Jacob Markstrom's future. Something that also needs to be had and is a conversation about how he fits in the entire puzzle. Something that needs to be broached as well. I guess. I mean, I think there's something to be said about having a veteran number one goaltender. If you are going to, go down the road of a retool and you are going to have a younger team playing in front of the goaltenders. And I think that with Dustin Wolf, Jacob Markstrom would be a really good mentor. And I brought it up on the round table earlier this week. I think that Jacob Markstrom could be for Dustin Wolf, what uh, Pacarine was for UC Saros. So I kind of like that combination moving forward. And, and that's not to say that I don't like Dan Vladar. I thought he played a heck of a hockey game on Thursday night, gave the Flames a chance to win and help them pick up a point. But I also think that it would be much easier to move Dan Vladar's contract than it would to move Jacob Markstrom's contract. If a team's going to trade for Markstrom, chances are they see themselves as a Stanley Cup contender. And how many of those teams would have $6 million in cap space? Uh, probably none of them. Even if the Flames were to eat part of it, would that really be worth it unless uh, the other teams sweeten the pot in order for the Flames to do that? So if I'm Craig Conroy, I'm not hanging up the phone on anybody. I'm not hitting ignore. If I see another general manager's number pop up, I'm going to listen on pretty much every player in my organization. But I also probably wouldn't be making calls trying to trade Jacob Markstrom for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he'd be a great mentor for Dustin Wolf, who I think has a great chance to be this team's number one goaltender uh, one or two or three years down the road. And number two, uh, I think that 
what you get in return for goaltenders, generally speaking, is pretty underwhelming. So I'm not sure it would really be worth it for the Flames to trade Jacob Markstrom. Uh, I think it'd be better to, to keep him around and mentor Dustin Wolf and to have a guy between the pipes who, if you do go down the road of having a y- younger hockey team, gives you a chance to win and, and keeps you competitive. So uh, I guess it's worth having a conversation, but uh, I'm not sure unless someone made me a deal I couldn't refuse, it's a road that I would go down. You know, Wilsey, you made a bunch of great points there, but at the end, you sort of hit on it for me when you said that Jacob Marstrom is going to keep this team competitive. And at the end of the day, the Calgary Flames management needs to decide if you are going down the path of of getting younger and, and probably getting cheaper for a while, how competitive are you trying to be? Because Jacob Markstrom is going to keep you in a whole ton of games, but if this becomes a full-blown rebuild, and I'm not sure that's going to be the case, but if if you're getting younger at every other position, that's when I think you consider this. And, and I do believe it just starts with a conversation with Jacob saying, "Hey, what is your what's your appetite to be a part of a retool here? What what's your appetite to be?" the 34 or soon to be 34 year old goaltender behind uh, a group that might be looking at a span of two or three seasons without playoff hockey. And I, I, I want to know what Jacob Markstrom's reaction to that is, because that then tells me all I need to know on whether you should be looking at potential destinations for him, whether he's open to going somewhere else, because I do think with the parody out there, but with a few contenders having a pretty shaky you know, having a pretty shaky goaltending situation, I actually believe they're suitors if Jacob Markstrom continues to play at the level he is. But it has to come down to two things for me. Does Jacob Markstrom want to be a part of whatever it looks like next? And just how rebuildy are you looking to go? Yeah. So there's there's a few things. And first of all, I think the number one thing is before you can have a conversation, period, I, I think you need to sit down with Jacob and talk to him. And to me, that's an off-season conversation, most likely. But if they're going to go in that direction, guys, have we been around Jacob Markstrom? Do we? D- does that guy seem like the type of guy that has any interest in doing anything but winning? And at the age of 34 years old almost, he turns, what, 34 in January? Um, he uh, With only two years left on his contract after this, are we convinced that he wants to be on the final two years of probably the biggest contract he's going to have in the NHL that, you know, he wants to be around for a team that doesn't have Stanley cup aspirations. He signed here because he was sold on a team that was looking to win right now. He signed here because he felt like this was a team that yes, he got the bag and, and there was also financial and and other contract things that played into it, like a no-move clause, like the sixth year. Of course that stuff plays into it, but he also signed here because he was sold an opportunity to win. And if they are going to be gearing down or moving on to a different road, I think you've got to know whether he's on board with that. And if he's not, then I think that you absolutely need to start thinking about a different destination for him. And that's okay. And guys... I don't even think it is completely crazy. I was thinking about this yesterday. If they go in a different direction and they are committed to opening a spot right now for Dustin Wolf, then, Wilsey, I think you're bang on when you say the easiest way to do that in the immediacy before the trade deadline is to move Dan Vladar. And so I think you can do that if you get a good return. And now for the rest of the season, a Jacob and Dustin Wolf tandem is the way to go. And then I still think you need to have that conversation with Jacob in the offseason. And if that's the case, maybe you, next year you're looking at a Dustin Wolf, Oscar Dansk duo at the NHL level. Or maybe you're looking at a Dustin Wolf and another goaltender that you go and sign in unrestricted free agency as your tandem. Uh, and, and really trying to build up Wolf as your guy for next year. Because. If you're going younger, isn't Dustin Wolf part of going younger too? So I, I, there are so many things to consider on this one that the answer to me on, on the question I ask is, yes, that conversation needs to be had internally when it comes to hockey ops, and even more so, and that conversation has to be had with Jacob to make sure that, because Wilsey, if he's on board with being a part of it, then, then yeah, I think that 
sure, the, everything you said is bang on. Him as a mentor, him as a, a guy to see everyday workout, that's a perfect guy that you want to have uh, partnered with Dustin Wolf. 100% all day, every day. But what if the only thing that matters to him is winning and getting an opportunity to win while he still has those two years left on his deal and is still near the top of his game? I think that needs to be considered, too. Fair. And I mean, if the Flames are going to go down the road of a retool, I don't believe they're going to go down the road of a full-blown rebuild, tear it down to the studs uh, type of situation. No, no, I don't think any of us uh, do. Yeah, I mean, if they do go down the road of a rebuild, then I think it's worth having that conversation with Jacob Markstrom. And if he's not interested in, in being here, the Flames have made it very clear. Hey, we want players who want to be in Calgary. If you don't want to be here, we're going we're gonna to help uh, find a way out for you. So they did that with Nikita Zadorov, And if there are other guys who feel that way, I'm sure they're going to explore options uh, to go down that road with them as well. So uh, it's worth having the conversation. Uh, goaltenders, again, don't tend to bring much back as far as trade value. They're not getting what uh, a top four defenseman would get or a top six forward would get, generally speaking. I don't really know why. It's the most important position in the sport, but that's just kind of how things have worked over the years. So I don't think if you were to trade Jacob Markstrom that you would get a ton in return unless you read a good chunk of his contract, maybe up to 50%, uh, and then get a sweetener to, to make the deal look a little bit better that way. But I also believe that when you have players that you're trying to develop, whether it's at the AHL level or the NHL level, the right culture is so important in helping those guys continue to progress as players. And I think one of the reasons why the Flames have really opened up that pipeline with the Wranglers is that that has been a good team for a number of years. They've been competitive. They've gone to the playoffs. That's helped develop these players like Connor Zeri and Martin Pospisil and Dustin Wolf. And I think that's been a really important part of their development. So if the Flames are going to go younger, I think it's still really important to ice a competitive team. Maybe not one that uh, is going all out to win a Stanley Cup, but one that is still trying to win hockey games every night. I think it's a really dangerous road to go down trying to be bad so that you can get high draft picks. I've seen too many teams over the years that have tried to do that and have not only failed short-term to get the high draft pick that they were looking for, but have also failed long-term. And one rebuild's turned into another rebuild, into another rebuild, into another rebuild, and it becomes perpetual. So I think it's dangerous to go down that road as well. If the Flames want to get younger because they don't think they're in a spot to compete for a Stanley Cup, great. But I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. And I'll just echo something you said earlier, Derek, because I, I think it's such a great point. I know that the Calgary Flames, going back even a couple seasons, have been looking forward to the point that Dustin Wolf was getting mentored by Jacob Markstrom. They, they really do think that Jacob Markstrom could be a good role model for Dustin Wolf. You know, you even think every time we talk to Dustin Wolf, he he's, has so much praise for the sort of veteran that he's been playing with. It's been Oscar Dansk recently. They have a really strong relationship. We remember how tight he was with Garrett Sparks for a, a very brief amount of time. Like, he, he's a guy who wants to also lean on his goaltending partner as he learns all the ins and outs of the position. I, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons to keep Jacob Markstrom, and yet if you get an enticing offer and or yeah. J- Jacob doesn't show a lot of interest in, in being part of whatever the future looks like, it's just something you have to consider. Just uh, just uh, yeah. when I went and I quickly looked at a few of the more recent goaltending trades that popped into my head. Um, there was the Georgiev trade, Avalanche in the summer of 2022. After winning the Cup, um, they said goodbye to Darcy Kemper in free agency. They acquired Georgiev for a third round, two third round picks and a fifth round pick is what they paid for that. Um, when Edmonton, way way younger though. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just I'm just going through some of the ones that yeah. uh, have popped into my head. Uh, the, when the Oilers got Cam Talbot, they gave up a second round pick, a third round pick, and a seventh round pick. And the one that always will be the benchmark, although I don't think I think it's the benchmark in a bad way, um, when the St. Louis Blues acquired Ryan Miller in 2014, they uh, they gave up Halak, Chris Stewart, William Carrier, a first round pick and a third round pick. Ryan Miller played for them for like 
three months, and they gave up all that for him. Yeah. That was the last time that, like, a number one got, at least in my memory, my recollection, the last time a number one got traded in season. I, I think. Well, and you look at both Cam Talbot and Alexander Georgiev, and they were basically buried behind really good goaltenders, and, and that's why their teams were in a position to trade them. But they were young guys who were ready to take that next step and, and be a full-time NHLer or a number one in the NHL. And they had enough games in the league where they, they had at least some pedigree in, in the NHL. So I guess a, a similar situation to the one that Dustin Wolf is in as opposed to the one that Jacob Markstrom is in. He's a veteran goaltender who I believe could help a Stanley Cup contender. But again, how many of those teams have the cap space to add him? Even at half his salary, even at $3 million per year, there aren't many teams out there that could do that. So uh, I think there are some roadblocks there, but hey, if, if Jacob Markstrom isn't interested in being part of a retool, if that's the road the Flames go down, then I think you should explore the trade market and see what you could get for him. Uh, and again, if if you're not planning to compete for a Stanley Cup for two or three years and you could eat half of his salary and sweeten the pot that way, great. But I also think there's something to be said about uh, having a guy who could mentor the guy who you believe is going to be your number one goaltender for a long time to come in Dustin Wolf. Now, with that said, if they did trade Jacob Markstrom, uh, with all due respect to Oscar Dansk, that's not the tandem that I would want for the Flames. I would want them to go out and get a good veteran goaltender. I'm not saying they should get this guy, but go get a Jonathan Quick type, a guy who, again, can maybe split minutes with Dustin Wolf, but who can also mentor your young goaltender and, and help him continue to develop. The one thing I'll say is I think because of Jacob's age and his contract, if you're going to get value trading him, and if you're going to create a market to trade him, it's going to be during the season when a contender thinks they're running, you know, running yep. the risk of losing a year off their window because of their goaltending situation. You, you need the New Jersey Devils to get desperate and call and say, oh, my God, we really need a goalie. You need the Seattle Kraken to say, oh, geez, we might miss the playoffs because of our goaltending. And Edmonton just acquired the guy that we were looking to trade for. You need a situation like that. And then because I think past values of trades are becoming less and less relevant because of what the salary cap has done. And so if you can then not only be giving a team a goalie, but helping facilitate it, whether it's taking on a contract they need to get rid of, whether it's eating some money, that's how you can get value in a deal like this. Okay, just because uh, we, we won't have time for the other topics, so we'll just stick on this one, boys. It's uh, the Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek Wills, Wes, and Pat. Uh, okay, you threw out the Devils. There's the first team that comes to my mind as well. Like, okay, could you send... If, if this is the way they decided to go... Could Markstrom to the Devils for Vanacek, you eat part of Markstrom's salary to offset it. Vanacek's got one year at 3.4 left. Vanacek and Wolf next year is your tandem or something like that. Um, Markstrom to the Devils, and you also get an asset back. A, a second-round pick and a prospect plus Vanacek for Markstrom. Is that, is that something that could start a conversation? Is that completely out to lunch if if all of a sudden Der if Derek Jacob says, yeah, I don't, I don't love the idea of being less competitive for the next few years. I mean, you could start a conversation there. Uh, maybe it's part of a bigger package. The Devils need help on defense, in my opinion. And if a player on the Flames gets traded to the Devils, I suspect it'll probably be one of the defensemen and not the goaltender, but... Maybe it would be both. <laughs> Maybe you could put a really big package together and, and send uh, one of your pending UFAs uh, and your number one goaltender uh, to them. And uh, the type of deal that you made when you sent Tyler Toffoli that way. And who knows what seeds have been planted, right? Uh, you, you think about that trade that happened during the offseason. Tyler Toffoli in return for Yegor Sharangovich in a third-round pick. Who knows? Maybe they had conversations about other players on the two teams before eventually making that deal. We don't know, but I know that's quite often how general managers operate. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, as I said earlier, I think Craig Conroy is probably listening to everything from everyone and, and seeing what his options are. So, sure, have the conversation. Yeah, I don't have Craig Conroy's burner phone on me, but that 
that sounded like a conversation. What what Pat was proposing sounds like at least a conversation starter to me. Let those teams that might need a goalie come to you, and then let the conversation go from there. I mean, there's you can't trade them to the Oilers unless you absolutely fleece them. No, I've, I've, I'm not suggesting that. That's for sure. That's one. That's, <laughs> right? that's the like, one that I'm like. You can't oh, do it. Yeah. But if you did that, then maybe you could do a Vladar and Wolf tandem next year. I, I don't. There's just. I guess there's more options, especially knowing the way this season is trending. There's still three games below 500. There doesn't seem like there's been any meaningful shift in uh, signing these unrestricted free agents, and I understand why. I don't really think there should be. I think dealing them is the most sensible approach right now, and an opportunity's there right in front of you. I just, I think it's another part of the conversation. Okay, let's have the conversation about the UFAs, and also let's have a conversation about the way this goaltending project is going to look going forward as well yeah and these pending unrestricted free agents have put the flames in a really unique position because there aren't many teams who are two points out of a playoff spot who are having these types of conversations on almost a daily basis yeah and i feel like if they didn't have all these pending ufas the flames probably wouldn't be either yeah i don't know i don't know how they'd be feeling in in that situation um, they, on points percentage, they're 11th in the West at 450, and yet, because they've played more games than everybody in the conference, they're still not completely out of it either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the conversations would look like. Because you're right. Yeah. It's, it's a very unique situation they're in, and, and the uniqueness of it is why I think it's a really huge opportunity for the general manager to maybe pounce on. We'll see. We'll see. There's, a lot, yeah. there's a lot still to be uh, determined here. And, guys, the trade that Craig Conroy made during the offseason, which I know to a lot of people didn't look very good at the time he made it, is looking better and better by the day. You could argue that Yegor Sharangovich, if he isn't as good as Tyler Toffoli right now, he's pretty close. And he got a third-round pick. And he's way younger. And he's way faster. And that's not a knock on Toffoli, who's at a different stage of his career and brings something different to the table that Sharangovich does. But... Sharon Govich has turned into an excellent 200-foot player for this team. He's only getting better, and he should only get better for a number of years moving forward. So I would say that trade is looking better and better by the day. Uh, we, will, uh, we will wrap there. Uh, thank you, Willsey. We'll see you Saturday. Okay, see you tomorrow. Uh, that is Derek Wills, and that is our Daily Flames Roundtable. Uh, Willsey, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable from Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. As we start to wrap things up this hour, Wes on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Have a wonderful weekend. You as well. I'll see, see you, you tomorrow. Dome. Yeah. For Taylor and Cam, our producers as well, that'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.